Welcome, everybody, to the first episode of the Eclipse of Fire podcast. I'm your host, Creative Temporary, and this is a very long and overdue podcast, in my opinion, because when I first started my YouTube channel last year, I promised myself I was going to do this, but I wasn't able to find time or I didn't know what I was going to do, so I kept pushing it back over and over again. I promised myself that in me pushing it back, I'll at least think about what I was going to do and how I was going to do this. And I can finally feel safe doing this because I know what I'm going to do now. For starters, this podcast will talk about movies, television, cartoons, anime, video games, anything that I feel will fit right in on this podcast. It will be in here. And two, there's going to be two homes for this podcast. The first home is going to be here on Anchor FM. So you'll be able to listen to it first on Anchor, and then a few days later, I hope a few days later, I at least want to get it out a few days later, it'll be up on my YouTube channel at Eclipse of Fire Productions. I eventually want to start doing these live, but only time will tell when I can do it and what type of technology I can get my hands on. But for right now, this is the best I'm going to do right now, and I'm going to use this to my full advantage. But enough stalling, let's get to today's topics. First topic on today's podcast, Avengers Endgame. Now, originally on my Twitter page, I said I wasn't going to be able to see it because of various things that came up, but I was able to find time to go on opening night Friday. Now, when I went to the theater, it was relatively packed. Like, there was a distinct line to get tickets, and there was a distinct line of people waiting to get into the theater. I was the part of the group that was going in for the 250 showing, I think. That was the time. But, yeah, when I went to the theater, the entire theater was packed. People were arcing down. People ha either had food on their persons or they didn't. This was a three-hour movie. So, I doubt there would be any time to have a decent bathroom break. Like, they had a... I believe I read something that talked about there being points in the film where it would be bathroom breaks. And I thought that to my advantage. But I wasn't taking any chances. Before I went in, I ate and drank stuff the hour before. So I wouldn't have to worry about eating anything in the theater. Because theaters are already overpriced with food. But for something like this, I really don't want to take any chances having to go to the bathroom during the movie. The movie itself was pretty good, in my opinion. Like... I loved it. Don't get me wrong. I loved the movie. It was action-packed. It was heart-aching. It was... It got me out of my seat sometimes. It made me cheer. It made me feel all different emotions. But after Infinity War, it just doesn't feel as big. Like, Infinity War was, I feel, the godfather of the Avengers movies. So much happened, you get a badass villain, you get badass fights, you get badass character introductions, you get everything badass about Infinity War, and an Endgame, while it is good, it just doesn't feel as big as Infinity War. I don't think I'm the only one who thinks about that, I think other people do, but it doesn't really take anything out of the movie, like, I keep saying, Endgame is a good movie. And it's the perfect finale to this 22-film saga of stories. I'm not saying that this is the final film. Like, 
this is a billion dollar franchise. The MCU makes billions and billions of dollars. There's more movies in development. They've announced 20 more movies in development, and they're going to announce more after Far From Home comes out. So, this isn't necessarily the end of the MCU. It's the end of the current story. So, I just want to put that out there because people are saying, oh, this is the end, this is it, everything's done. No. This is just a simple finale to part of a story that's much bigger. And I'm going to explain spoilers right now because I want to get to a point where I feel I can continue off this. So, when the movie starts, we get Hawkeye and his family, and Hawkeye's family gets dusted. A funny thing I want to talk about about this is when it happens, when we see Hawkeye's daughter actually dust and go away, I just snap my fingers in the theater. Like, imagine Hawkeye's daughter, dust, and then in the silence, it wasn't a good snap, like, it was a little bit muffled, but at the same time, the theater was dead quiet, so you'll be able to hear that. It was just something funny I decided to do in the theater. Anyway, when the Avengers get to Thanos, he's very badly burned by the Infinity Gauntlet because he used the stones to destroy themselves. I know, crazy, but that's what he did. And Thor beheads Thanos. And it's interesting because not only do we get a death of a villain, but at that point, I think about 10 or 15 minutes of the movie has gone by. And they already showed all of the footage from all the trailers. So, you gotta applaud the marketing team for this movie. They literally showed 15 minutes of content in this trailer that wasn't even part of the main story. It was just like the first 15 minutes of the movie. So it really makes you wonder, what are they going to do next for this movie? Then we get the text five years later. And believe me, that was a surprise in the, for myself and everyone else in the theater because we're not expecting this much of a gap. At most, I was thinking maybe one year later. Because, I mean, it would make more sense, you know. Like, a year has gone by, a lot of stuff has changed. But five years. Five years is time to, like, move on. Try to pick up the pieces. Try to make everything go back to normal. It's a very powerful scene, seeing that. Because you know these people are trying to move on. But at the same time, after this traumatic event, they can't right now. So, that part really shocked me. Um, oh, Ant-Man was saved by a rat. Yeah. Apologize uh, if you hear any thudding. There's people working on the roof. But Ant-Man was in the quantum room for five years. But for him, it felt like five hours. And the only way he got out was because of a rat that was inside the van. Pushed the button to get him out. So... People are praising this rat for basically saving Ant-Man and pretty much causing the events of the movie to happen. And it's fun fan interaction like that that I can really appreciate. Um, so, they tr Ant-Man gets the Avengers and he tells them that they should try this time travel method. to go back in time, get the stones destroyed before Thanos can get to them. So they go to Tony Stark, who has a daughter at this point. 
And as soon as the dog went on screen, everyone was like, "Ah!" And I was like, okay, this is interesting. We get to see, like, a father side of Tony. Like, we had Peter Parker, who faces his son Tony never had. And now he's actually a dad. So it's pretty interesting seeing that. So Tony basically gets on board. He doesn't want to do it, but he gets on board after he sees a picture of him and Peter. So that guilt pretty much drives him to do time travel. To do the time travel part of the story. He solves time travel, is what I'm trying to say. I'm sorry. Everything is racing in my brain about this movie because so much happens. You go back and forth in time, and it's a really confusing concept to have in general, time travel in a movie. But this movie does pretty much break the mode of typical time travel movies when they call out other time travel movies saying, just because you change something from the past, it doesn't affect the future. The stuff from the future will still happen, but just on a different timeline, which I think is interesting. So, the Avengers are trying to get everyone back together. They go see the Hulk, which is by far one of the funniest reveals of this movie. One of the two funniest. But at least this one wasn't as sad. So, it's revealed that Bruce Banner has used gamma radiation to transform himself into this Banner-Hulk hybrid. So, he has the body of the Hulk, but the mind of Bruce Banner. Which I laughed fully at because I've never expected the Hulk to have Banner's voice the way it has. Just thinking about it making me smile. Um, and uh, when the kids get the picture of the Hulk and at, and they don't know who Ant-Man is, that interacts with me too. Like, just him going, just take the goddamn phone. That part got me. And Hulk dabbing. Oh my god, Hulk dabbing. This is just one of the two how-do-you-do-fellow-kids moments in this movie. And the other ones happened about maybe 20 minutes later when they go to New Asgard to find Thor. Thor has been taking the whole thing hard. Like, the ads we were used to from Chris Hemsworth's Thor is now a big beer bevy. We see him drink, we see him eat. He's roommate with the warriors from Ragnarok and the second How Do You Feel Kids moment, he gets to a fight with a kid while on Fortnite, which I thought was the, another company going, all right, Fortnite's popular, kids like Fortnite, we have a scene where they play video games, let's just put Fortnite in, and they'll get it. But I saw a trailer, I didn't actually see it, but I saw it trending on YouTube, where Fortnite was doing this, in, this endgame crossover. So... I think it was a cross-promotional deal that both companies had saying this. I think it was either Epic's going to Marvel saying, listen, we have this great idea for Fortnite and we want your permission to use Endgame to promote it. Or Marvel went to Epic's and be like, if we have, if we can use permission from, if we have permission from you to use Fortnite in our movie, we would let you do a game. We will let you put we let you use Endgame in your game. Either one of those two things happened. Um, so, everyone gets together and they're about to time travel. And War Machine makes an excellent point of why can't we go back in time and kill baby Thanos. Which I feel is a jab at people last year who had that question because... 
When people were like, oh, how are they going to fix it? If they use time travel, how are they going to fix it? People were like, oh, just go back in time and kill baby Thanos. And I admit, I was part of the group that wanted them to do the baby Thanos kill theory because, A, it just sounded fun. Like, go back in time, they see this cute baby, and then all of a sudden, pew! Boom. Timeline's fixed. But then they explain how just because one thing happens doesn't mean it won't happen. And then it proves again that time travel works different for Marvel. So, at this point they time travel, they go to various different movies. They go to the 2012 Avengers movie, they go to Guardians of the Galaxy, and they go to where Red Skull is to get the other stone. And I'm just breezing through these spoilers. I'm not going to give out the whole movie, so don't worry. We go to the Avengers timeline from Avengers 2012, and two of my favorite scenes happen here. One, we get Captain America saying Hail Hydra, which I feel is an excellent callback to the comic book that did the same thing a few years ago. And two, when the Tetrarch falls in front of Loki, he escapes. But what does that mean, really? People are saying, oh, this means Loki's alive. What's going to happen? I feel Loki is alive, but he won't be in the movies anytime soon because he's on his own adventure now. This perfectly crosses over to what Disney Plus is doing with them making a Loki TV series. So him getting the Tesseract and then getting out of there, I feel, sets up his entire series. And... um. Later on, Thanos from the 2012, 2013, 2014, the early Thanos, he finds out about what they're doing, and he travels to their dimension and attempts to finish them off. And at this point, I'm going to stop with spoilers because so much more happens, and I don't want to give it away for people who haven't seen it. This movie's almost been out for a week, but I figure there's still people who haven't had time to see it by the time it's recording. So proceed with caution with any spoilers that might happen before you see the movie. Like, I've given out certain key points here, but there's still key points that haven't been explored yet, and I feel you need to see them for yourself. So, um, that is pretty much what happens to the movie at that point. And I feel like I want to get back to why I think this movie... While it's the final movie of the story, it isn't really the final movie in general. For years, we've had Thanos as the main villain. And after this movie, we're going to have more villains along the way. Like, Thanos isn't this one big constant villain. He isn't going to be a recurring thing. Thanos' story has been told throughout these 22 films. At an endgame, without giving too much away, his story is also concluded in this movie so people complaining that oh this is going to be the final movie yes this is the final movie but not in the story because you gotta keep in mind there are a lot more dangerous villains in the marvel cinematic in the marvel universe and thanks to disney buying x-men or thanks to disney buying fox turner owns x-men so they have x-men now we can get X-Men villains in their universe. 
and eventually X-Men, and eventually Fantastic Four, and eventually Deadpool, which I'm totally excited about, and I really hope they keep the R rating for the Deadpool movies. And aside from that, there's already 20 movies currently planned, and with this movie, several spin-offs are also something I'm really excited about, because we can get a West Coast Avengers movie, and we can also get an all-female superhero movie, because there's a scene in here where all the female superheroes team up and fight Thanos. So, I really wouldn't mind seeing that. It's a fun concept, I really want to see it happen, and I hope that's explored at least later on in the cinematic universe. And plus, this movie has already made $1.2 billion. It already made its money back and then more. And that's only in the first week. Typically, movies, they have like maybe a two, three month, maybe four month. I don't know how long movies have. But they're usually in theaters a decent amount of time until everyone can see it. And then see it over again and over again, however times they feel like. With this movie, there is severe rewatch value that can be had here, and it's going to make more money along the way. It will be Avatar soon. Watch it. In fact, I can go as far as saying that it will be Avatar within next week, I hope, because it already made one two billion dollars fast, and with that time, it can make double that within another week. So, I'm putting it out there. It will beat Avatar, hopefully, by next week. If not then, the week after that. It will be the fastest grossing movie to beat Avatar, and be the highest grossing film of all time. Believe it. Final thoughts about Endgame. It was a good movie, I keep saying that. Do I think it has the same powerfulness of Infinity War? No. But it does conclude everyone's story for the time being before we get the next phase in the cinematic universe and before we get another threat and before we get a new team up movie along the way. This isn't the final Avengers movie also, believe that. There's going to be another Avengers movie eventually, maybe with the new Avengers like Ant-Man, Black Panther, Hawkeye, Falcon, um, Guardians of the Galaxy... There's going to be more Avengers movies with the new Avengers, but for the time being, the current story for the cinematic universe is done. And while it wasn't as strong as Infinity War, I believe it's a fitting ending, and it sets everything up for what's going to happen. So, final thoughts, Endgame, good movie, ends everything perfectly, wasn't as powerful as Infinity War. But does the job. There's fun moments, sad moments, action moments I really appreciate. And I really can't wait to see what Marvel has next for this franchise. Another thing I have to talk about today is She-Ra and the Princess of Power Season 2. Now, I sent a tweet on my Twitter, which is Productions EOF, that while I wasn't going to be able to see Avengers... I was going to live tweet the season 2 premiere of Shira, And I breezed through the 7 episode season. Which by the way I'm really upset they didn't have like some more episodes. Because that cliffhanger is going to kill me until new episodes come out later this year. But I really appreciate the season. And I feel it's a step up from season 1. If you didn't watch my review of season 1. 
Then, to give you a brief rundown, while I did think the season was good and everything, there were some points I didn't like. Like, the animation was stiffy at times, and there were some episodes where things were kind of dragged out, and it wasn't until the later episodes things started to pick up and be fun to watch. This season literally starts off with a bang, a big fight scene with the Rebellion and the Horde's robots. The characters, still fun to watch. In fact, the first episode, I was pretty interested in Frost's character development because that season we see her as a serious figure. And this season, she feels like an actual 12-year-old or 13-year-old or however old she is now, depending on how much of a gap there was between season 1 and season 2. So seeing her act like a child was kind of a breath of fresh air. It was annoying at first, but then we'll get your explanation as to why she's like that, because she never really had any friends while being a ruler. That hit me. That legit hit me as someone who's had trouble making friends over the years. Um, the... Like I said, the character moments were fun to watch, they were interesting to sit through. Last year, fans were calling it Catra and Adora season. This year is Catra and Scorpius season. Seriously, Scorpia is fun to watch in this season with her trying to impress Catra. And I am seriously getting a vibe from those two. Like, I'm not the only one who feels that because on Twitter, when people were talking about this show, they're bringing up how Catra was the eye of Scorpius affection. And Scorpia was doing all she can to be close to Catra. And... They literally use the word soulmate to refer their relationship. Noelle. Oh my god. Um, yeah, I really appreciate the interaction between the two. And in all fairness, Scorpia deserves all the happiness she needs. Hopefully when the series wraps and everyone tries to get a happy ending. Because... While I do believe it's a happy ending, there might not be for some, but I hope that there's a happy ending for Scorpia, there is. Anyway, some key episode moments I have to bring up is, um, again, the robot, the, ro the Horde's robots versus the Rebellion, and I'm what's going to bring up this moment for the episode moments, but I feel this whole episode in, in itself is probably one of the best episodes Episode 3 or 4, like, yeah, episode 4, Wideout and episode 3, Roll the Dice, I think, are some of the best episodes of the season. For starters, for Roll the Dice, we get another D&D &D episode from DreamWorks. First it was Voltron, and now it's She-Ra. Like, DreamWorks, we get it. You like D&D, &D, Okay. If you just want to make a D&D &D show, go ahead and make it. I honestly don't care if you're trying to beat around the bush or anything. Just go ahead and do it. We'll watch it. If we have Netflix, we'll watch it. If we have iTunes, we'll watch it. We'll watch what you'll make. And if you make a D&D &D show, I'm pretty sure there's a large fan base who would want to watch that. And in that episode, we get so many versions of Catra that... Honestly, it's going to fuel any art website for the next millennia. 
I was going to say Tumblr for one, but then I remember they went all PG. So they're pretty much dead. Like, I've never heard of anyone talk about Tumblr now. Like, ever since they shut down. Like, if you heard anyone talk about Tumblr ever since they decided to go away from showing adult content and all that, then let me know. Anyway, that episode was fun. And then the next episode was them in that ice tundra. It was Seahawk, Glimmer, Adora, Bo versus Catra, Scorpia, and Entrapta at this ice base. And we get the reintroduction of Drunkadora. I know it's infected Adora, but Drunkadora just sounds more fun. She's literally this... She literally has this side of her that's funny, sweet, and overall, really fits Drunkadora well because this is how a person who would be fun at parties. And another interaction I was expecting from this season was Scorpia and Seahawk. Because both of them feel like they're useless, but thanks to Adora giving out great advice, they realize that they're their own people. And by the end of that episode, I was really cheering for Scorpio when she didn't listen to Catra, and she kept picking her up, and it just shows how ride or die she is. Like, Catra sees how Scorpio is riding and die for her. So, those are a couple episode moments I really liked from the season. Everything else feels like an improvement from season one. I believe I said this before, but the animation, the acting, the story, the character moments, everything feels like a step up from season one. Because I can really appreciate that because it shows how much care the show is getting because of the several themes that it has. Whether you have a great disagreement with what the show can do. I can at least admit on my part, I can appreciate the LGBT plus themes that this show has been bringing out. Because it's really adapting to show this world isn't just one gen just one state where you can meet like some of these people, some of these people and everything. The world is big. The world is open. You are bound to run into someone who could be gay, lesbian, transgendered, queer, bisexual, anything other than straight. And I can appreciate that because it shows diversity. It shows how people are different from each other. But at the end of the day, we're all still human. I really appreciate this show from pushing the boundaries of what can and can't be done on children's television. Because I'm pretty sure if the show came out like during the time of the original She-Ra, there would be backlash for what it was doing. Because those themes weren't present in children's programming at the time. Today, with shows like Steven Universe, That's Nakora, um, uh, I'm pretty sure there's more shows like... Um, I made them, I put a list in there somewhere, but basically shows are are able to show LGBT plus representation now. And they shouldn't shy away from making something that can teach little kids who are also watching it that it's okay to be different. It's okay to be someone else. It's okay to be you. 
I'm sorry for preaching like this, but like I can appreciate the show for doing that. And like just I'm getting all riled up talking about it. Point is, I really like the show for doing this. And this show also gave us Bo's parents. He has two dads, and they're just so affectionate. They're like, they don't make a big deal out of it either. They're just parents who love Bo and are overprotective of him. But at the same time, when he tells them he's fighting for rebellion, they don't get all worked up that he's fighting. They just tell him that they love him and they support him and they accept him for who he is. Those are a perfect representation of a gay couple in cartoons. And I really appreciate that. Anything I disliked of the season, like I said in the beginning, it was too short. Seriously. It Seven episodes... Like, I read somewhere that there's going to be 13 episodes each season to make up 52 episodes in total. But either they're splitting it up so they can have more seasons, and if we get more seasons, that means less episodes. Or this is going to be season 2, part 1, and part 2 is coming out later this year. Only time will tell, but I would have dealt with it being 13 episodes. Like, plus that cliffhanger at the end... I don't know what's going to happen with them. Like, it ends with Catra getting choked out and Adora with Shadow Weaver over her head while she sleeps. What can he possibly do now? Only time will tell when the season comes out. And I feel that'll be in, like, in another six months. Something like that. Because season one came out six months ago, November. December, January, February, March, April. So, five, six months. So, another six months will be May, June, July, August, September, October. September, October, either then. Uh, final thoughts. She-Ra Season 2 was a fun watch, fun character moments, fun action, fun comedy, sad moments I can really get behind. And that cliffhanger, tough. Unfortunate, but really gets me excited for the next season. I really appreciate the LGBTQ themes. And I don't know where the show is going to go now, but I really hope Catch can get out of it. She's still one of my favorite villains with a complex story, and I really appreciate it. If you haven't already, Shiro Season 2 is on Netflix. So go watch it, show support, tweet about it, and have fun along the way. And the last topic I want to talk about today is Netflix-related again, but unfortunately, it's bad news. Netflix has canceled Sonic 3 The Diet after three seasons, ending the series on a cliffhanger that I really wanted to see branch out into something bigger. Um, if you don't know about Sonic 3 The Diet, it's basically a show on Netflix that talks about these two married real estate agents who have their world turned upside down when Sheila becomes a zombie. And it's basically this race it's basically this plan of trying to keep the secret while also dealing with villains along the way. It it was quirky, it was fun. It 
totally takes that whole family dynamic show that you normally would see and escalating it to the nth degree. Now, I watched this series when it first came out and I was instantly hooked. Like, at the end of each season, I really want to know what would happen next. They made this story where getting caught means your life is over. And I really wanted them to win at the end. Then season 3 came by and the series ends on a cliffhanger where Joel has Mr. Ballbeggs in his head and she turns into a zombie so he can stay alive. And that's it. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't know what's going to be up next. We don't know how they're going to survive this. We don't know how they're going to get out of it. We just don't know anything. And it bugs me that Netflix will do this because this show was popular. There is a distinct fan base for this show. There are people who want to see season 4, and they're not going to get a season 4, and now they're upset because it's not going to happen. I pulled up the message from the creator and executive producer on their Instagram, Santa has an Instagram, and this is what they said. Like our audience, we're all in on Sheila and Joel. Their relationship in the face of incredible adversity was inspiring to write and to watch. Mostly they were funny, which in comedy is important. Working with Drew and Tim, Drew Barrymore and Tim Fat, I probably butchered the last name, along with the immensely talented Liv and Skyler, was a joy and a once-in-a-lifetime experience. Netflix took a chance on this odd show, and for that we will always be grateful. They were supportive, ever-positive, and appreciative of our work. Until about noon yesterday, still, we were just one phone call away from being a perfect studio. Not bad. Everything ends. This was a thing. And so it ended. We'll miss it, but are proud of the work we did, and we'll always appreciate the love and enthusiasm we felt from our audience. If it was up to them, Sheila and Joel continue for another 10,000 years. And then there's a message from Drew Barrymore, Drew Barrymore and Timothy Olafet. Of all of our characters I've ever been, Sheila Ham is one of my favorites. She and Joel were an amazing couple who had shared goals, and I am lucky to have worked alongside Tim. I'm just going to say Tim. It was an honor to get to do something so delightful. Sheila lives forever in me, and I'm forever grateful to Victor Fresco, who created a world so unique. And now this message from Tim. I loved working on the show. I'm going to continue coming in and doing scenes. If they don't want to film it, that's up to them. That is great enthusiasm from Tim. I don't want the show to end, and I'm pretty sure other people don't want the show to end. This is just another example of a long trend of Netflix canceling shows that are very popular. They got rid of One Day at a Time. They got rid of American Vandal. And they canceled all of their Marvel shows. And I get if they're not pop if they're not popular in terms of ratings, what's the point of continuing? But with Netflix, they take time and create content that people will enjoy. We don't get traditional every six months there's a new episode. They literally take a whole year making new stuff because they don't want to risk anything being bad. They work hard and they have people who had all the training they've had from writing to directing to shooting. They take their entire time making art.
That is what's so special about Netflix. They don't conform to traditional cable television. They make what they feel is right for people. <sighs> and the thing about this too is, sure it's cancelled, but if you're asking, oh, they can just bring it back. There is a certain clause to Netflix's shows saying that once the show is cancelled or an end, and another company or network wants to pick it up, they have to wait two years in order to do that. So, an example for this being, if Sound Creator Diet wants to continue on my Showtime HBO, I'm going to say Showtime because it feels like a Showtime show, they cannot make new episodes until this clause runs out, which will be around 2021. And even then, shows like these won't be immediate. They have to take time to write, shoot, and everything. So for this show, it probably won't come back, if it does come back, until 2022 to 2023. Because of this stupid rule that Netflix has. And it already kills the fan base. Sure, fan bases are strong and everything, but if you're literally waiting years then that fan base is going to go down. It's going to go out. And that is my gripe with Netflix doing this, because they have good shows, they have good content, and if they keep casting stuff, they're going to run out. And especially not good, considering the fact that Disney Plus is going to launch soon. There is going to be a very distinct competition with them and Disney. And if they keep doing that, they're going to get people off and they're going to get people to go to Disney+. Plus. And that could be a big problem for Netflix. In the end, I'm very upset at Netflix canceling Santa Cruz to diet. It was a quirky show, it was a fun show, it was a graphic show. But it was all those things that made me appreciate it. Hopefully... Something will happen where we'll be able to see them again. Like, there are talks for Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt to have a movie on Netflix to wrap everything up. Like, they ended earlier this year, but there's talks about them making a movie to fully end everything. I hope that they make a movie to fully wrap up this series. Because the way it ended, that wasn't a wrap-up. That was a lead-in to something bigger. Only time will tell. Until then, I don't really know. If you want to show your support for Santa Clarita Diet and distaste for Netflix, go on Twitter and tell Netflix themselves that they made a big mistake canceling Santa Clarita Diet. Go on their Instagram and tell them that they made a mistake canceling Santa Clarita Diet. Let them know what they did was bad so that they can give a conclusion that will make up for them doing this. Do I think it will come back on another network? Probably not, but if it does, probably not for a long while. Do I think something will happen? With the way Tim, Timothy, said that he was going to keep doing scenes, I feel he's not putting this, he's not going to give up without a fight. But that's just me. Show your support for Sanctuary Diet. Tell Netflix they made a mistake. Tell them to pick up Sanctuary Diet at least for a final season. So they can wrap everything up. And if not, a final movie so they can wrap everything up as well. Show them that they made a mistake doing this. 
because I'm not done with the series, and you're not done with the series, and I'm pretty sure others are not done with the series. We need to show them that there's still hope. And I feel, I just feel upset about this. But yeah, Santa Cruz Diet ended too soon, and unfortunately, it's another example in a pattern of Netflix making poor decisions. So that's about it for the Clips Fire podcast today. I really appreciate what I was going to get done talking about here. And I have several ideas I want to do for more episodes. But if you have any suggestions, if you listen to this on Anchor, shoot me a message and I'll consider doing it. And if you're watching this on YouTube, shoot a comment down and I'll probably take a look at that too. My goal is to get a couple of these done per month along with videos. So it will be a podcast and a video, podcast and a video. Something like that. It's going to be a lot of work, but I'm totally excited for what I'm going to do. And I hope you're excited too for the road I'm ready to drive on. And um, that's about it. Again, if you want to shoot any suggestions about what we talk about, if you're listening to this on Anchor, send me a message. If you're watching this on YouTube, put it down in the comments below. And I'll get to them if I can. I'm really excited. I hope you are too. I'm your host, Crib Temporary from Coast Fire Productions, and I'll see you guys next time.